When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Toad Hop Network Studios. In Hollywood, this. this is the ToadHopNetwork.com. It's a groovy way of relaxing. Radio worth watching. Radio worth watching. Hey, what's up, Geekscapists? Welcome to a brand new Geekscape. I'm in the studio by myself, and you guys may be like, whoa, 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 hey, Ian Kerner is supposed to be there because he promised we'd be talking Man of Steel and bringing it down. And Ian Kerner uh, actually has like a flu, but he's going to be calling in and giving us 30, 40 minutes worth of conversation. And then we'll take your phone calls on the big show. 323-622-8623 is a call-in number, but uh, I'm just going to be holding the line for Ian, so I will not be taking your calls. Um until he's done. But uh, we've got to talk Man of Steel. This is Geekscape. We're going to be talking movies, video games, and comics. Um, right, right off the bat, um, I was editing last night. We locked uh, one of our Geekscape projects that we're going to be uh, announcing at, at Comic-Con. And uh, if you guys are going to Comic-Con, drop by the Geekscape booth. Uh, we're sharing it with uh, Lion Forge Comics. And they have a whole slate of comics based on pretty major properties that they're going to announce. And uh, the booth is... Uh, the, the place we're going to see it first. So I'm excited about it because uh, I'm writing one of the books. And um, so San Diego Comic-Con, I was working on this, uh, our sci-fi fantasy project, Here of the Prophecy, that's coming from Geekscape. And I was locking the edit with George last night, and one of the other producers at our studio came in and told us about James Gandolfini dying. And that's just really sad. So um, we just have to, to mention it right now because uh, it still hasn't really sunk in. Because, I mean, he's 51 years old. We all know him as Tony Soprano. We know him from True Romance. And uh, he, he's always been, our, like, around. And he definitely died way, way before his time. Um, for me, like, the geek thing is when Peyton Reed was developing the Fantastic Four, when he was still the director of the Fantastic Four, I always thought James Gandolfini would have been the best Ben Grimm. Uh, it was about, I guess it's 13 years ago now. But... Um, you know, I, I guess 2000, uh, 2000, 2001, 2002, when Peyton Reed was still attached to uh, direct Fantastic Four, I was like, you got to get James Gandolfini as the uh, as the thing because he he'd just be really awesome. Um, he could do soft, and then he could do, of course, Tony Soprano and kind of menacing. So, seeing those eyes behind the uh, rock cluster face of uh, the thing, I think would have given it given it like not that Michael Chiklis was bad. I thought Michael Chiklis was really actually pretty good. Um, but the design of the thing, you know, obviously wasn't what we wanted. Uh, it's all about the brow, and, it, and, the, and the, sadly, the Tim Story movies got the thing, uh, which is such an iconic design in comics. So, you know, they tried fiddling with it, but really you can only fiddle with the shorts. 
Like that's what happens when the, when you fiddle with the thing. You just really fiddle with the shorts. And I mean, remember the, like the rocky clustery thing, and you know, in the mid '80s. Uh, that's about as much as you can do to the thing because he's going to go back to that badass brow. And um, I always thought James Gandolfini would have been a great thing. Uh, and it's sad. Um, there's an actor named Pat Healy who was writing a script for him over at HBO. And he and I have traded emails back and forth about coming on Geekscape. And uh, and, it, and I saw him on Facebook last night mentioning an article that came out because literally Tony Soprano, <laughs> I called him Tony Soprano, James Gandolfini was going to come back from this Italy trip and go into uh, redevelop, you know, development on this um, project for HBO, this movie that they were going to do. Um, so I was a bit shocked when I heard that news, and uh, it's pretty sad because uh, obviously he's a super talented actor. You know what I'm talking about, Kenny? Were you, were, were you were you shocked by the by the fact that James Gandolfini had died? Yeah, and um, I was like, anytime there's like a celebrity death, I always like end up going online, just being like, all right, is this real? Yeah, and there was a hoax like the day before. And then, no, there's and like everywhere that I read is like the hoax was that it was a hoax. Like like there was a hoax. Like oh right. yeah, it's a hoax. But that was the actual hoax itself. That that he like was like that he wasn't dead. No, I I kept thinking, uh, and I never believe it. I never know when to believe it. No, the internet has really, really, really uh, ruined um, that kind of fact checking. And then at right. the same time, it's kind of fixed it. Um, I read a really funny um, comment that um, if so, you know, if Clark, if, if if Superman wanted to get a job, uh, you know, where he could keep his ear to the ground and, and help people, why didn't he just check his Twitter feed <laughs> to find out what's going on in the world? I think this is Ian, so we're going to talk Man of Steel. All right. Um, Hey, this is Geekscape. What's up? Hey, it's Ian. Okay, guys. Uh, so Ian has like the flu or something and wasn't able to come into the studio, but I had promised you guys uh, some Ian Kerner breakdown of The Man of Steel. And uh, thank you so much, Ian, for uh, suffering through this. Um, we got to talk Man of Steel, and you know the audience. Here, here's the thing. Ian asked me at about 2 or 3 o'clock today. He's like, do you have an alternate? And I was like, eh... I kind of don't want an alternate for you, Ian. <laughs> like when it comes when it comes to the Man of Steel, and I know that you're sweating uh, buckets right now uh, with what, with whatever you're suffering through. When it comes to Man of Steel, when it comes to this movie, I, we kind of need your perspective on it, brother. Um, you and I have talked via email and over the phone a little bit since we've seen the movie. I've now seen it twice. Um, I liked the movie. I liked it more the second time than the first time. Uh, let's just give it to us because some of the Geekscapers are going back and forth on Facebook about whether or not you liked the movie. What were your thoughts, just blanket, of The Man of Steel? You know, and I want to say that I really want to see it a second time because everyone says it's better the second time. But overall, I did like it. You know, um, what I find interesting is most of the criticisms are things I agree with, and yet I still like the movie. I mean, first of all, it's a great action movie. Yeah. You know, it's really it's really exciting. I mean, you know, we were all so let down by Superman Returns, you know, and this movie is just, it's really, I mean, listen, we, we knew that Snyder was going to give us, you know, some great action sequences, but, I mean, honestly, to a point, it's too much action. That was a, a complaint I've seen a lot is that the action almost gets boring. Hey, Kenny, have you seen the movie? Nope. You're about to get fucked up. I know. You're about to get fucked up. I know. When spoiled. I saw you talking about today, I'm like, God uh, damn it. You're going to get spoiled so hard. But if, it. if it's any, uh, if it's any, you know, um, I'll go with you. Hey, I'll, I'll go okay, with you cool. to see it again because I kind of want to see it. I kind of want to see it the third time. What's that, Ian? 
It came out a week ago, and the show's Geekscape. Like, you yeah. weren't going to be talking about this today? <laughs> no, no, just <laughs> hey, me, just me. Hey, uh, uh, Kenny has a bit of a, a trouble getting around, and, uh, <laughs> you know, um, you, don't, don't, don't point fingers at the man in the wheelchair. Please, Ian, <laughs> please. Honestly, it's your fault, Jonathan. For, for, not, for not wheeling Kenny over to the, to, to, to the local theater to watch The Man of Steel? Yes. <laughs> you know what? I, you know what? He, Ian's right. No one wants to go with me because I have to sit in the front row because those are the only handicapped seats. I've seen the movie twice. <laughs> I'll go see it again. I'll, I'll, I'll take it and we can sit in the front row. That's okay, fine. Well, I'll hold the damn popcorn. And then after the movie, you'll know what it feels like to have a broken neck from looking up at such a high angle the entire <laughs> night. You know what? Yeah. It's awesome. Um, so I thought the movie was really impressive and it's got a ton of action in it. Um, yeah. But the, is it too much action, Ian? Well, well, first of all, when, when the movie ended, you know, and, and right when the, the credits came on, and one of my friend's first comments was, he didn't feel as elated as he did from Avengers, you know? And it's a very different kind of movie. But you know I was bored by Avengers the first time I saw it. Yeah, yeah. You're one of the few geeks I know that hates on Avengers. No, no, I, I don't hate on you Avengers. I'm critical later, of the Avengers. The first time you were a little bit... You. Yeah, se- second time I'd quantified it, and I kind of enjoyed Avengers more, and if I saw Avengers today, I, I would definitely enjoy it, but um, it still has those giant plot holes. You yeah, know what I mean? And, like, and, and Man of Steel has, has its share of, of yes. plot holes, and, you know, I mean, everyone's saying there's this three-hour cut that Snyder did, and, you know, I'm very interested in seeing that three-hour cut. At the same time, I feel like, right, you edited the movie, and I get that you shot more, but shouldn't you have been able to get make a movie that doesn't have these big holes in it? Uh, yeah, you can't watch the movie and feel that it's a complete movie, that they yeah, didn't but, cut but, things but, out. break it down. Okay, I just break it down. I love the Krypton scene. Yes. You know, it just feels like, it feels like a very new, very fresh science fiction movie there. Now, yes, I sat in the movie and Jarrell jumps on the, you know, pterodactyl thing. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm watching Avatar. But it was better than Avatar in that moment. Yes. You know, and, and it was, it's an alien society and they have these things, you know, and these pets and... Well, it's an I active. Was hoping we were going to call it crypto. And, and Jarell, Jarell is badass in the movie, and he's active. Unlike you know uh, Sam Worthington's character in Avatar, who's kind of just hoping bad things don't happen as he hangs around with the Navi. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like he, like that. That's my big criticism of Avatar is he's a fairly passive, reactive main character, whereas yeah. Jarell from the get go is a badass and he, you know it Joe opens has a plan he knows what he's doing he's analyzed this, you know all this stuff and, and he's going forward with it i mean things get a little bit murky with the whole idea of well we had our natural child rearing your childbirth thing but i'm still going to implant the codex because apparently i'm going to you know maintain what we used to do even though i totally rebelled against it <laughs> not really sure what the point of that is right well, the point of it is to keep Kryptonians alive. That is, is you know. And, and no, and I, I agree like with you, but that. it's almost like, again, there's like almost, there's so much plot in that short period. I mean, literally, I would love, I would watch a two and a half hour movie about your world of Krypton before. Like that, I was totally interested in that. Yes, and there are people who have said that they miss the 1970, you know, the, the Donner version of Krypton with all the crystals, but this Krypton is way more accurate to the comics. It's way more faithful and, and, to the yeah, comics. Exactly. There are people going around going, oh, where are my crystals? And you're actually setting me up for my, my big issue, which is pretty much the thing I know you want to hear, yeah. and, and my rant. And I don't know if we've really built up to it yet. But I'm really annoyed because, you know, and you and I are on a thread with some friends of ours, and people keep talking about fanboys complaining. And, and I take a bit of umbrage at the notion of fanboys complaining. Because I don't know any true fanboys that are really complaining about the movie. There's a couple of notable ones. I know Mark Wade was upset, and I read his comments, and I understand them. 
But for the most part, I think true fans don't think it's that, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, it's people going, oh, look, you know, there's no crystals. That's one interpretation of Superman. I mean, arguably, too, because Smallville sort of followed it. But wasn't in the comics ever. Right. You know, it was a totally it, radically different thing. And it's just it's kind it's of a disco. It's like disco era. I mean, yeah, it was. It just exactly. looked like that. It, it looked like the freaking Apple. You know that. You know that roller skating movie, The Apple. Like that's what the it Apple? looked like. Yeah, there's a there's a like a cult movie called The Apple, and it's kind of like a like a gay New York City roller skating disco movie. And they they'll show it at like Rocky Horror Picture Show type you know theaters, and um, and it's called The Apple. And that's what I think about when I think of like the crystals in The Man of Steel. It's Adrian said it best, our buddy Adrian Ascaria, who was on the show a few weeks ago, because um, I was bemoaning the, you know, I was like, I kind of missed the John Williams score because that's Superman. And I just kind of wanted the John Williams score. And he said, you know what? Warner Brothers found themselves in a situation where they had where they were committing to a reboot and the reboot had to, had to be 100 percent. I agree. You know, especially I for, I mean, no 10-year-old's going to watch The Man of Steel and miss the John Williams score. You know, at, at the end of Smallville, they threw the score in, and I thought that was, you know, that was earned because of 10 years. You were going to basically the movie Superman. Right. You know, and that was a great moment, and, and I teared up, you know, it really, it got me. But exactly, this is a reboot. I mean, I, I love this Helms in the score. Right. You it, know, I mean, it's become a total meme for me. I mean, every time I hear it, it's like, you know, I just can't get it out of my head. And Christopher Nolan Christopher Nolan didn't use the Batman score. Christopher Nolan didn't use the Danny, you know, the, the uh, Danny Elfman Batman Danny score either. Right. You know. Why, why would he? It's, right. It's totally different. There's no reason to. Nor did he go and use the, <laughs> the uh, tune from the 1960s show. Right. I mean, it's different. There's no reason that you would. It's just that we've associated the John Williams score for so long, but no, it wouldn't have been right to use it. Right. Um, what were the other positives? Fanboys are going on and on, but okay. all these things. I mean, the biggest thing, you know, not not to jump ahead. I mean, I'd rather break it down. But you know, just talking about the Superman killing thing. I mean, yeah. true fanboys, people that are really, you know, to me, a fanboy is someone that really knows, you know, the the background material, right? And um, guess what? Superman killed the Phantom Zone villain in the comics. Yeah. William Bibiani over at Crave, who started out here at Geekscape, he wrote really, really, really one of the best articles on the issue of Superman killing. And just basically stating the fact that Superman's killed before. Yeah. You know, Batman has what less of a problem, has more of a problem with killing than Superman does. Superman, I mean, Superman really does think in black and white and knows that every now and then. He has to make the ultimate choice. And Derek uh, Krevendel, no, no, whatever his last name is, uh, no, Krevendel, our, our writer, he was shocked by that moment. And I, was, and I gasped at that moment that, that Superman was going to do that I at the end of the coming, film. But I, I was a little surprised by it. It was awesome. It was a cool moment. And, yeah. it, and, and well, you know what? This is, this is Superman in his nascency. And yeah, if that I mean, was a mistake, he's going to make a mistake. I, I want to speak to the point you made about, about the idea of Superman killing. You know, there is a you – know, I think a lot of your – Viewers are familiar with the Injustice video game. Yes. And the idea, Matt, and, and we've seen this idea before, and it's more than an, it's, it's an Elseworlds, but it's really just one step removed. It's one moment removed. You know, this idea that, all right, this is an instance where, you know, Joker tricked Superman into killing Lois Lane, and Superman kills the Joker. Right. And it's like, you totally buy that if that happened, that's what he would do. 
Yes. You know, like he would kill him. He could go there. You don't. It's not a total. All right. You know, it would never happen. But probably most importantly, notwithstanding the whole idea of the character in that regard, you know, it's the same thing with Nolan and, and you know the Batman trilogy he did. Is that there's this real world approach. Listen, I was the first person thinking, as Mark Wade said, yes, you know, couldn't he have covered up the heat vision? Couldn't he have done all these things? But in the real world, realistically, the guy just said this is what he's going to do. That's what he's going to do. Yeah, how he's temporary? Man, I mean, it's that powerful. There's nothing that's going to stop this guy. There's no you know, simple solution. He's going to cover know, that, Mark. That, Mark, that, Mark other than throwing him in a black hole. Mark Wade, He's who's like black hole handy. Mark Wade, who's written a ton of Superman, is going. He said, "Cover up his heat vision." That's like a. Well, that's no, such a it's, temporary. It's that, that, that come up with something. Like a lot of people are saying that. You know, it's, as it's as just, as sorry, people are just getting ravaged. Like, as Metropolis's buildings are just falling, right, like right. like dominoes. Well, oh, that's my thing. I, I think that you know the real world aspect of it is in comics. You know, there's always we've always said. You can always write something and come up with something, and that's just what's written there it is. And, you know, in comic books you've done that. But there's a level, you know, in, in, in the cinema, there's a level of, you know, it's, I hate to use the term cinema verite, but somewhere in the middle of all this sci-fi, you've got to go to a point of going, all right, what are you really going to do? And as you said before, this is a nascent Superman. You know, one of my mo- the things I thought when, it, when the movie ended, I thought, you know, well, there really wasn't much Clark Kent. But that's actually kind of the point. Mm-hmm. The point is that he's been roaming and all that, and now that he's come to terms with who he is, and that's both the Superman, part of that is coming to terms with being Clark Kent and actually yeah. letting Clark Kent have a life. Yeah, I, uh, when, I, when I left the movie the first time, I had a, a problem with that last scene where you see Clark Kent as the, the Daily Planet reporter for the first time. And, he, and it literally was like he just put on glasses. Like the big joke is that how could they not recognize Clark Kent as Superman? He just puts on the glasses because you kind of need the act of bumbling Clark. You know, you, I think uh, I think the Grant Morrison, uh, you know, the uh, All Star Superman that. Well, quietly does in the, the art. Yeah, he this, over the and artwork. His face gets pudgy. In, in, in my buddy Diallo Jackson uh, argued on on Facebook that. Uh, that John Moore kind of got rid of the bumbling Clark, uh, you know, characterization of uh, of Superman. He's well, like, well, you but but but, but he hasn't. I mean, you, you yeah, but you see you see Grant Morrison putting bumbling Clark in there. You see, you yeah. know, like the bumbling Clark still exists. Jeff Loeb used bumbling Clark. Bumbling Clark in the comics is still a pretty widespread depiction, and. No, I mean, it it's got to be a costume. That it wasn't always there. Right. Bumbling Clark came along later. Right. I and mean, what you're you know, saying is we, there's still room for Bumbling Clark in the next movie because yeah. he's got to disguise himself. Like across right. the board, straight up, he's got to disguise himself because you have four investigative reporters who've seen him in that in that moment before he battles Zod, and he's about right. to spend a career with them. He's got to start. Well, he's got to start shaking have, you things have up. To wonder, you know, what, what the lowest lane take on it is. I right. mean, obviously, Gone is the competitive side of it. You know, yes. they, they can't really do that. She's in on it now, which. By the way, I mean, I actually really enjoyed, you know, a lot of people felt, all right, you didn't want Superman married anymore. I actually really enjoyed the, the part, the point in the comic books where, you know, once they got married and she knew who he was and then working together in that way, mm-hmm. you know, and, and she helped. I, I thought that, that you know, there was a realism to it because it was just played out so many years that she doesn't know. And the love triangle? And, and as you said, I mean, she's this great, you know, investigative reporter. Of course she's going to see it. 
And more importantly, she tracked down the story. Right. You know, and you know, maybe in the past you could have bought that they wouldn't get it, but in this day and age, with you know, I mean, every there's pictures of everything. You know, there's, I mean, it doesn't matter where in the world you are. There's news reports of it, and everyone has access to all this information. You just you can't hide that well in the world anymore. So it's just, it's you just, you know, I just don't buy it. Right. You know, I did like the whole thing with, with at the end with the satellite tracking him and him just knocking it down. Yes. And and I felt that was actually a really great nod to the Luther stuff in the in, in the Donner movie. Yeah, I mean, what I, what I was telling you earlier is. Um, did, did, did you pick up on that? Did you? Did no, I'm I'm, at all? I'm dumb as hell. Uh, I'm just saying that you know the whole thing about tracking him and where he was going. Yeah, it's it's pointless. Yeah, but th- I thought that that now he's like, yeah, he just stops the satellite tracking him because, like, he wouldn't know. Yeah, he just yeah he just goes up and, and knocks it out of the sky. Yeah. Um, no, I think the the really the thing that I think universally people are agreeing on is that this is the way that. Love it or hate it, this reboot is what it was need what was needed to set up the cinematic DC universe, and yeah. people are excited for what happens in Man of Steel too. And I have to think that that begins with Luther looking at the decimation of Metropolis because Metropolis gets decimated to the point of six hundred billion dollars as opposed to the Avengers hundred sixty billion dollars. Somebody did the math on that. Somebody was like, okay, yeah. somebody did the math and, and realized that. The contained destruction of New York and the Avengers was $160 billion versus $600 billion for uh, the Man of Steel. And uh, you got to think that the, the Man of Steel 2 is going to open with Lex Luthor, whose Luthcorp logo is, is seen th- at least three times in the movie on different vehicles and stuff in buildings. And uh, he's going to start with, you know what? This alien just decimated our city worse than any natural disaster could. Um, and we, we got to get rid of him. Like Lex yeah, Luthor, and, and Lex Luthor know, has a great rationale for being a villain because that, that that's the big thing. And a lot of more modern takes on the Luthor character is that Superman is bad as his take. You know, it's you know gone are the days of the the Lex Luthor, the, the obvious supervillain. You know, he's a, a titan of industry, and he's actually working towards getting people on, on his side. You know, he actually saw himself as as a Superman of sorts, and now this aliens come along, and you know push him out of the spotlight but you know yeah i think it, 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 it's a great angle for him to be playing that you know one of the interesting comments i've seen one of the negative people saying well he didn't really instill hope i don't know i thought he did a pretty good job of instilling hope in those soldiers lives he was saving left and right yeah yeah no you know, he, I love he that was when they're like they went this guy's saving our ass uh we ain't pointing our guns at him right He's on our side right you know uh, and mean, that's that, a bit that that's a bit nitpicky as well What's that? That's a bit nitpicky as well. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, you know people are people are dying. Felt, you know, people looked at you know the, the battle in Metropolis and how many people died. And you know, when you think about it, you don't see people dying. And I, I someone you, no, no, said, Ian, I Ian, having that, having said, you know what? I, I heard that argument where it was like, well, you don't actually, see, you know, I think Bibiani was saying you don't actually see people dying on screen. Um, having seen it again, I was looking for it. You definitely see people dying on screen. The gravity weapon that uh, Zod puts into the, onto the planet at the end, the terraforming weapon, not mm. only is picking up pieces of buildings and cars and slamming them down, you actually see people in it. And you, and you actually see people getting lifted up in the air, and you can see their arms fl- well, and legs flailing, I, I and they get slammed down. I'm talking about you know, the point of like when Superman should people commented about people, Superman should have been saving people more, that kind of thing. And he was saving moment, people. He was stopping the villain. Right. Exactly. What's he going to do? Make sure people are yeah. safe crossing the street when some super like powered villain is smashing yeah. buildings into each I, other? I, I sort of felt in Smallville he could have flown away because they were after him there. Mm-hmm. 
That's a good point. Well, that, that's about, you know, the device going. At that point, there's not much he could have done. Well, once the device is shut down, once the device is shut down, Zod was saying he was going to commit genocide. No, at that point, absolutely. I'm talking about in Smallville, I think yeah. that, you know, Superman didn't need to be in the middle of Smallville to fight them because they were after him. So, hey, come and get me. Let's get away from these people. Yeah. Where would you have flown? Anywhere. I mean, like there's a million fields and they're fighting in the middle of an IHOP. Kenny, you, yeah. you just wait until you see this scene. Like well, they're well, fighting in the middle of. Point. I mean, the, the level of destruction, and everything else. I mean, in the middle of the ocean, they would have caused tsunamis. I mean, you know, right. tidal waves. And, you know, I mean, there's there's really no level. I mean, even talking about, you know, I, a lot of people trying to compare it to Avengers and all that. You know, it's the Avengers are fighting an alien invasion. Those aliens were pussies. Yeah, those those aliens were pretty stupid. They were like insect you know, aliens. This was an army of Thors. Yeah. Or an army of Hulks. Not you know, not super Shatari. Who gives a shit? I mean, <laughs> Hawkeye and Black Widow could take out a bunch of Shataris. Right. Know, who cares? Yeah, Black Widow did take out some Shataris. Hawkeye took out some fucking Shataris. This is what we either. I mean, yeah. If, if, if those two Torps can take out Shatari, then who cares? The alien right. invasion isn't even in the same form. I mean, Superman would have yeah. done one punch to one of those giant Transformers three snakes and sent it into the fucking orbit. You're right. right. I mean, the same way Hulk did. You got all of that. You're a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, so so not the same thing. I mean, those arguments. I mean, I actually, you know, people talking about you know, uh, damage porn or whatever else. You know, all the destruction. I had someone comment about, oh, it's too much imagery like nine eleven. I was like, well, it's just destruction. I mean, I thought that was amazing. You really got the sense of it. It's about time too. It's about time. I mean, there's one. There's there's only so much Christopher Reeve and, and Nuclear Man ripping out signposts and hitting each other with them that you can take right. before realizing right. that these are alpha level like. You know, super. You know, superpowers who would literally be sending people through buildings. And by the way, I'm glad you brought Nuclear Man because, uh, as Vivian had pointed out, he killed Nuclear Man. Yeah, yeah, he killed no Nuclear Man at the end of Quest for back Peace. Then that he killed Nuclear Man. The movie's called Quest for Peace too, and he kills Nuclear Man. Right. So what's the big fucking problem? Um, Kenny, are you getting ready to, for us to go to commercial? Yeah. No, I, I add another, add another fifteen minutes. We got what's that? Uh, Kenny got up ready to uh, go to commercial, which you would have seen in the studio. Kenny kind of preps himself, and and I was like, no, 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 you got to add another f- ten minutes, fifteen minutes for. Cr- this is Ian Kerner. Ian Kerner goes to commercial for no man. <laughs> we have to take uh, commercials now, but I'm but we got to delay the commercial for you. I just need to take it. Yeah. I, I just need to take it any time this hour. Um, I, I do, I, I, so among my complaints, yeah. Meanwhile, is so you know, and I know everyone said, oh, read the prequel comic or read the prequel comic, and I'm still going. What the hell is the deal with Supergirl and you know and the, the difference in time with the probe? Okay. I mean, so I so for the believe that this the ship that has, that he originally found was one of the old ships. Yeah, let me give us some context. Eighteen thousand years before. Let me give us some context. So, uh, if you haven't read the prequel comic, uh, go Google it. It's online somewhere. But this is a Man of Steel prequel comic has Kara Zor-El, uh, like. Um, eighteen thousand years prior. Well, on, back up a second. Jonathan. Let's start with the movie, because then you know, I mean, right in, in, in the in the movie, the you see in the movie that. he finds a scout ship in the ice, and that's where he meets Lois. Or and there's an empty pod. So you see, like the corpses in these pods of the Kryptonians, and then all of a sudden, one pod is empty. One pod's open and empty. And in the prequel comic, you see that Kara Zor-El was 
like Supergirl was on that ship, that scout ship, and it crash landed into Earth because you know you got to go read the prequel comic. But there was a problem on uh, on it, so yeah, that, you, you, it assumes that, that that's her pod. To me, there is I'm a little confused. You know, in the comics, there's always been that Kara Zor-El is his cousin directly. That yes. her father Zor-El is Zor-El's brother. Yes. You know, and there's a bunch of stuff, Brainiac and Argo City and whatever else. And I would love to see. But I would. I would love to see Candor. I would love to see the Brainiac Candor yeah. storyline. That would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, listen, all that stuff would be interesting, but I was left with more questions than I had going in with the after reading that prequel comic. And just to talk about the movie, I'm still kind of going like, all right, so that was there already. I mean, it, it, was it just an outpost ship that's from you know, so long before? You know, I guess they died off. Are we just supposed to think they're not immortal? I mean... If they were there, you know, I'm thinking they died when they crashed because if they'd been in an Earth's atmosphere for a while, they would have had powers. Right. Or they wouldn't just shriveled up. I mean, we have yet to find out what happened to Kara. That's right. about it. I mean, uh, and how do you explain the 18,000-year discrepancy? Was she in an alternate dimension for that time? Was she, you know what I mean? Like, um, well, Was it the, that? Or, you know, you start getting into an argument, and here's an interesting argument of, you know, what's happening with the relativistic speeds. Okay, you know, when did Krypton blow up? Right, right. So it could be about that. I mean, that's getting into a little bit more true science about, you know, traveling fast in the light and all that. But, the, it, you know, which leads we, me we to what. I don't have any answers for that. No, no, that, that leads me to the funniest uh, line in the entire movie is when, uh, when, um, when uh, Zod grabs, you know, Superman and, and, and is like, "Do you have any idea how long I, w- you know, I searched for you?" And he's like, "Yeah, I, I know exactly how long you searched for me. Thirty-three yeah, years. Just long enough to grow that stupid goatee." <laughs> well, you, you know what I'm talking about when 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 Zod yells, "You have any idea how long I, I, you know, I, I searched for you?" Da 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 da. And it's and then like five seconds later, he literally says it like in that montage. Years? He goes, "Thirty-three years. I searched <laughs> thirty-three years." And and Clark's like, yeah, I'm 33 years old. I I, I pretty much know exactly how long <laughs> you searched for me. Thanks, Zod. I gotta say, they are didn't age a day. No, you know what? Like, so the the Kryptonians, like, there are different accents there too. Like, they have Eastern okay, European yeah, weird Nazi mean, scientists. Zod, Zod has his New York Kryptonian accent. Yeah. <laughs> and. You know. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess, depending on where, on where in the colonies you come from, you have a different, different Kryptonian accent, and yeah. uh, and, and he's got his Benetton soldiers from all over the different, you know, uh, colonies of Krypton coming to kick some ass. Um, so, what, how'd you feel about the Pa Kent? Don't do anything. Stay hidden. Let the kids die. This is the scene that I wanted. I wanted a scene literally where uh, where Jonathan Kent took some glasses out of his pocket. And gave them to, and like put them on Clark. And Clark's like, I see perfectly. Why are you putting glasses on? And he's like, They're not glasses. They're a disguise. And you kind of started to, see, you know what I mean? Because because John, yeah, cause Jonathan like Kent like kept that. saying like Jonathan Kent kept being like, Oh, be a pacifist. Be a pacifist. Hide yourself. Hide yourself. But he didn't really give any proactive solutions other than don't lift a finger. And I thought that would have been a really nice scene to see Jonathan Kent. Uh, actively try yeah. and disguise his son and help shape his son. Um, but, the, the Jonathan but, Kent stuff was really yeah. nice, though, and, well, and I hope there's thing. more of it. You know, people talk a lot about, oh, you know, how basically people are criticizing the values that Jonathan was trying to instill, and mm-hmm. I disagree completely. In fact, I think that Jonathan instilled all these values about helping people, but he was worried about his son. So he kept saying, you have to be careful and you can't do it, and yet 
the man he raised him to be had to. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing. If you think about it, the only time he doesn't save someone is in that moment after he's just said, the bratty thing, you're not my father. And there's right. his father who's telling him no. And it's totally messed up. He honors him and doesn't save him. But, you know, and he realizes, and, and I actually thought they put that in the right spot in the movie because he's thinking about it was like, you know, I'm now old enough and ready to make the, the other choice. Mm-hmm. You know, but other than that, you know, obviously the box, whatever else, I mean, he's got to save the people. It's just what he's going to do because that's the man he's been raised to be. You know, it's the right thing because he can. You know, I mean, it's the old Spider-Man chestnut. Right. You could say hide, 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 but I have great power. Um, this, the, so I, I do also like the similarities and dis, in differences between the two fathers in the movie, and I thought they played that really well. Uh, at times, the Christ imagery was a bit too heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, falling when he falls out of uh, out of Zod's ship towards yeah. uh, rescuing Lois, and then that scene in the church where he's literally framed in front of a stained glass image of Jesus. Uh, some of that stuff was a bit heavy, but the story that, that stuff... That me a whole lot more in Superman Returns than it did in this movie. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And uh, it, But here's the thing. I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know what? If it didn't have that in there, it would have missed a, a bit of the context of what makes Superman Superman. Superman has always had Jesus imagery uh, tied to him, and the whole idea that the the Kents, you know, don't have a child, and they find this baby in a spaceship. Oh. Out of, you know, it's it's always been part of the storyline. You know, uh, in the whole idea of uh, having a, a global savior for mankind. You know, um, that stuff is you know something that's so intertwined with the Superman mythos that if it wasn't in the movie, as distracting as it was, if it wasn't in the movie, it, it would have it would have felt like a bit of a missed opportunity or. Um, you know, it's just nice that they that they thought about putting it in there. Absolutely. You know, ultimately, I think you know the complaint about how he acted, and you know, granted that you know the, the relaunch in the comics, the New Fifty Two. I mean, yeah. I, I read some stuff. People was like, yeah, they already knew what they were doing in the movie. So they're, they're certainly it's a Superman with more attitude and all that. And having read that for the last two years, you know, um, was this a Superman a with more attitude? What's that? I don't feel like this is a Superman with any more attitude than we've ever seen. I mean, it's little things like uh, not having you know, panties. Trucker. Oh yeah, he fucks with the, he fucked. You know the tr- the trucker's name was Lobo. Lobo Is there anything? Yeah. What's going on there? That's just silly. Yeah. Um. I mean, of the shout outs, it's obvious that there was the LexCorp logos, the Wayne logo on the satellite. So those people do exist. And um, and uh, and, and the writer did say, uh, David Goyer did say that those people, Bruce Wayne and, and the other superheroes, they do exist in the world. But Superman's kind of the one that makes them come out. Superman's kind of the one that inspires them into action. And then you can kind of segue into Superman 2 in a Justice League movie. Um, the other shout out in the movie that I thought was a little weird was the the rebooting of Carol Ferris as yeah. as Carrie well, Ferris, uh, argu- is, arguably is, is the dumbest Carrie character Ferris, in the movie. Is, it, is she Carol Ferris? She's Carrie Ferris. So she's that's not Carol Ferris. I know. Maybe it's a nod. Maybe it isn't. I'm not saying they weren't intentional about it. And she is the dumbest character in the movie. Think. She's she's literally the, the dumbest character in the movie. Yeah. Someone who's 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 highly ranked enough to be just under like one of the the main commanders. And yet she's like, what's terraforming? Like, she's Captain Exposition in this movie. Ooh, he's hot. Yeah. I mean, I was like, how did did you get your rank? Like, where did they go? Like, did they go to Hot Topic to recruit you? Like, she's like a 12-year-old. But, yeah, I mean, there was some looking into, uh, you know, whether or not that was 
a reboot of Carol Ferris. I I, I got to be honest with you, and you know how I feel about the Green Lantern movie. I have it on Blu-ray. Uh, I think I it's a fu- it. I think it's a fine, fun little movie. Um, Listen, as as silly actually, as it is, I was worried about the Blake Lively casting, but I thought she did a good job. Yeah. I think all the casting's good. Well, and would you be okay? There's there's bones in that movie. It could it could have been a great movie. Right. It's not. There's a lot wrong with it. Would you be but, okay with that movie staying in this continuity with with seeing yeah, Ryan Reynolds absolutely. as Green that, Lantern? That, that's exactly where I was going to go with that. Is the storyline and everything in there, I'm fine with. And listen, I thought it was really dumb in that movie, not to go into the whole thing on that movie, but, you know, that the other Lanterns came so late to the fight and all that mm-hmm. and weren't there to help them really bothered me. But for the most part, continuity-wise, I'm fine with that movie being part of the same universe. Um, I mean, the biggest issue would be, yeah, well, where was Green Lantern here? Well, Green Lantern could have been anywhere in this sector and not there. I mean, things happen pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the movie so really does only that. exist over, like, you know, the big Zod problem only exists for, what, roughly 12 hours? I mean, yeah. he, he, so, Superman I mean, turns himself in. And Zod gives mankind and Superman 24 hours to come forward. Superman does it in about two hours. <laughs> Superman right. Superman talks to a priest, and then he comes forward. Like, that's right. just what he does. Um, he talks to, uh, yeah, I guess he talks to the, uh, the military, he talks to a priest, and then he goes forward. And, that, and that's the end of the, the, the Zod problem. Yeah, no, that happened pretty quickly. Um I do think that they pushed the romance a little bit too much in this movie. I didn't think the kiss was earned. No. You know, I didn't feel the chemistry yet. I mean, I think there were some moments where, okay, they're, they're, they're liking each other. Maybe there's some interest. But I just emotionally didn't feel like it, it was built up and how they finally kissed. It had a, you know? I mean, uh, so on the bus, you got to assume that there's Lana Lang on the bus that is sitting across the aisle from him. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I mean, has he kissed somebody before? Has he had a romantic life before? We, I mean, um, in the sequel, things that you would like to see. I think that um, some Smallville, Jonathan Kent, uh, Diane Lane stuff would definitely be something that you want to see a little bit more of. Obviously, Lex Luthor. Um, if they, I mean, you guys were talking about maybe J- the Jor-El AI having been perverted into what becomes Brainiac. I think it's an interesting idea just to keep Russell Crowe in the movie. I'm not saying it's what I would want. Right. You know, but I mean, you know, listen, they already played a bit with the whole eradicated storyline. And as you know, in, uh, you know, I mean, initially, you know, in the animated series, you know, and later to some extent in Smallville, they did this whole idea of they merged Brainiac with the eradicator, mm-hmm. you know, so that Brainiac's origins were as an, an AI construct from Krypton who only wanted to do exactly what Zod was trying to do. Yeah. So, um, you know, that I, I like a more classic Brainiac, mm-hmm. personally. So I don't actually want that. I would be much happier seeing, you know, Brainiac coming and, you know, looking to take cities and that kind of thing. I mean, the problem with that is having done this movie, so what? It's, again, just an alien coming and it's an alien attack. No, they have you to know, go Luther on it. The of everything with the, you know, the gravity machines and all that, which seems very similar to what Brainiac is doing when he's trying to scoop up a city like Metropolis. You know, so I, I don't, I think it's kind of, too, too similar, you know? Next question. Is the terraforming machine that was in this movie, is that the introduction of kryptonite? You know, one of the things that really bothered me is, you know, when, when he went onto the ship and he got sick and this whole thing that, oh, he's getting used to our atmosphere, you know, because the reaction was like a kryptonite reaction, right? Right, right. And it, it, it seemed like they were trying to avoid kryptonite. Yeah, and but... And yet, I mean, I felt like that was, you know... You know, somewhat implied, right? But how, but how do you do that scene, introduce Kryptonite in that scene, and not have it affect the Zod or the other Kryptonians who well, are right, captive? Exactly. I mean, you know, it, it's this whole notion of, I mean, so what is it? You know, 
just being, you know, affected by. I mean, first of all, what is it about the atmosphere? I mean, when it was the yellow like sun is still there, right? Sun, well, there's no solar energy, yeah. you know, on the ship. Yeah, the yellow sun is still close, and uh, yeah, and, and and that bothered me. So it's like, so what? Instantly, he doesn't have his powers. Then Jarrell just makes a couple of changes. The Jarrell AI, and now he has his powers. Well, everyone else doesn't have powers. He, he opened the windows and let the sunlight in. <laughs> but it, but it didn't I affect mean, the other ones wearing rebreathers or not right. wearing rebreathers. And he's instantly as strong as he was before. Right. I mean, I thought that was a bit weak. I like that initially they didn't have the same level of power, but I thought they got there too quickly. Right. I mean, I do buy that Zod, you know, Superman basically spilled the beans with, oh, I've had all this practice. Like, well, that's great, you know, but I, I'm a warrior and I have a trained mind. So now that you've told me it's just a question of me concentrating, I can do it. Right. I bought that part. Okay, but you know, I thought he was fine a little quick. In fact, even with Superman, one of the places I hope and feel there was a cut is I felt, you know, in a nod to the original Superman who was originally able to leap tall buildings with a single bound. He didn't originally fly in the comics, so he jumps and then he falls. Yeah, I and thought I was that like, was right, cool. Got that. I like that he was sudden, bounding hey, first. Wait, if I could jump really high and fall, where do I suddenly realize I can fly? Mm-hmm. Like, I thought like there should have been a little more to that. Right. You know, it, it's a beautifully shot scene, and it's been in the trailers for a while. I mean, I love the actual moment where he decides he can fly and he does it. Right. But I didn't see anything in that jumping that implied that he might be able to do that. So, do, so again, this is a gravity terraforming ship. Is that what creates kryptonite? I mean, for the sequel, so you're saying. I mean, they got to introduce kryptonite sooner or later, right? Do something to some of Earth that made it kryptonite-like. Well, it, that, and it's an interesting idea. Well, if they if they don't introduce kryptonite. What does Lex Luthor use to get up against Superman in a potential sequel? I mean, so at the end Red of the day, Lex Luthor energy. is what's that? Red solar energy. Right. It's built in. We we know that. I mean, if he gets Kryptonian tech, he could figure out a way to emulate, uh, you know, the atmosphere and you know the same way Zod did. That scout right? ship did. That scout ship did land in the ocean outside of Metropolis. It right. would it would be cool to see a uh, a recovery crew with LexCorp logos on it getting that scout ship out. I mean, I would expect to see Lex, Lex Luthor with like battle armor, this Kryptonian-based design, yeah. things like that. Yeah. What um, what actors do you think are capable of it? I still think Kevin Spacey did a great job in Superman Returns. Kevin Spacey was good casting, you know, for for that era and all that. I, I thought that was good. I mean, one of the things you have to start questioning with, with that take on it is, is the age. Right. You know, when um, John Byrne first you know did his relaunch of Superman back in '85 after Crisis. Um, he envisioned Luther being decidedly older because he said he's a very successful businessman. And then after a while, they realized, well, he's too old, and they gave him cancer from the kryptonite ring, and then he cloned himself and transplanted his, bo- his brain into a younger body so that essentially they made him about the same age. If they just remove his uh, wig, do you think Donald Trump would be good enough? <laughs> the toupee yeah. Donald Trump wears, that beaver that he wears on his head, that beaver pelt? Yeah. But I'm saying, again, you know, you, you're still going to someone older. I think that you kind of want to have someone roughly the same age. It just, as far as the arts go and to have the, the age of... A 33-year-old? Yeah. Okay, get the kid who ran Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> get, the, get the Facebook yes. guy. You I know? mean, my point is that it, a, a lot of casting depends on the take on the character. Right, right. You know, I mean, you can have him be a really fit guy. You know, you can have him just be, you know, a, a scrawny scientist type. Right. You know, are you, you going to do the scientist? I mean, it seems like we've already seen that they're going with the corporate giant Luther, right. which, as I said, that started. That was never in the comics from 1985. 
It started there, and Lois and Clark ran with that. He was always a scientist before that. He was always a scientist and a mad scientist. In fact, you know, going back years, he was, you know, in Smallville, and Superboy caused him to lose his hair and all that stuff. But, uh, you know. I mean, but he was, they, he was they, successful in corporate in the Donner movies. No, the Donner movies, he's a supervillain. He didn't have superpowers in the Donner movies. He was a super villain, though. I'm saying that he was, you know, a wanted man. Right. Yeah, he had some money. Yeah, he was a super criminal. He hiding, right. And he had already been right. a big criminal. Yeah. He wasn't a big, you know, a giant of industry. You're right. You're right. I stand corrected. Um, Ian, there's so much more to talk about with you, but we got to take that commercial break that Kenny loves. Um, <laughs> dude, uh, feel better. Thanks. Can we continue this conversation on the Geekscape.net website or maybe on the Facebooks? Sure. All right, all right. Guys, Ian Kerner, uh, as you guys know, he's a, a DC encyclopedia. Um, if you guys want to talk to him, he is on Facebook. The uh, invite for this uh, this um, episode is like, you go and, and search for the invite, for the event invite for this uh, episode, and it's a really good place to start. We've kind of already started talking on it. Um, we're going to take a break, and then I'm going to come back, and I'll take some of your questions over the phone. Some of you guys have been trying to get in. Uh, hopefully not to talk to Ian, They probably, you know, because he can't be on the line at the same time. Uh, you'll definitely be talking to me, so sorry for the consolation prize, but we'll get Ian in the studio one of these days very soon. Ian, yeah, feel, feel better, feel better, buddy, okay? Thanks. All right, bye. Anyway, we're going to take this commercial break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network. Radio worth watching. To leave your house to shop, to crawl through traffic to the mall, just to find the thing you wanted, isn't even there at all. Amazon.com is the answer. Shop at home with style and ease. Find exactly what you want. Ordering your stuff's free. Books on tape. Games galore. Everything you're looking for. Kindle. Cameras. Electronics. Baby Einstein. Hooked on phonics. Blu-ray. Movies. And TV. Downloads. Music. MP3. Pixar. Disney. Microphones. Pet supplies and doggy bones. World of Warcraft. Nancy Drew. Sims. The Scruffs. Ishtim too. Click Amazon. You'll smile with glee. Sometimes shipping's even free. Hey, Toad Hop listeners, the sports guru. And the butt knocker. From the Sportscast, Wednesdays, 4 to 6, Pacific Standard Time. You got to check us out, man. We do sports like nobody else. Cover NHL, NBA, NCAA, NFL. We cover all sports. We got You Got Not the Fuck Out, Bonehead of the Week. Check us out on Toad Hop Network, 4 to 6 on Wednesdays. And if you miss it, go back and watch it live, toadhopnetwork.com, or download the audio from iTunes. While you're there, leave a comment and rate the show. Hey, guys, we need it. We're the nickel and dime show of the network. Check us out. A lot of fun. With Gamefly, choose from over 6,000 titles. Play as long as you want and send them back when you're done. $8.95 to start, no late fees. Gamefly.com. Games delivered. What's up, Toadheads? Hey, make sure you check out the Toad Hop store on ToadHopNetwork.com. It's a great way to support the network and helps continue to bring you quality programming. Quality programming, my ass. Can you see I'm recording, you Oh. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. All right, guys, let's get to some of your phone calls. Um, I checked the Facebook, uh, and I got a ton of text or that email. Like, I, I got my phone here, and I'm checking the text. People are like, this is an awesome episode. Other people are like, Jonathan, I know you got to take a commercial break, but Ian's too awesome. And then... Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I got these phone calls coming in. People are already talking on the Facebook invite, uh, event invite. So uh, let's take some of these phone calls. Uh, I think this guy's been trying to call the entire time. So let's, let's talk to him real quick. Um, hey, you're up on Geekscape. What's up? Hi, Jonathan. 
Hey, who's this? Uh, guys, uh, my name is Eddie. <laughs> okay, what's up, Matt? <laughs> Matt, you were trying to call the entire time, buddy. What's up? Uh, I feel like you guys are really uh, misinformed. Uh, is he going to do a character or is he actually going to talk? Hey, Matt, what's up? Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, but you're doing a fucking character, Matt. Like, I'm, what? What? <laughs> Who's that? Hey, Matt, is it all, do you have a question? Are you going to do a silly character? I feel like you guys are really misinformed. Okay. Uh, I feel that Luthor can't be the same age. I feel like he's much older. He has to be much older. He's a conglomerate. He has to definitely be a conglomerate. I feel Bruce Willis would make the best Lex Luthor. I'm yeah. just putting it out there, you guys. You know what? I'm uh, I'm okay with uh, with Luther being older, and I'm kind of okay with uh, with an already bald Bruce Willis being the villain. Um, you know, because if Bruce Willis was to put on that that orange and or that that green and purple power suit and go toe to toe with with Superman with the Kryptonian powered suit, I would I would believe it. Um, and no, I don't think Bruce Willis is bad at all. But do you do you buy that Bruce Willis is smart enough to to to, to get a uh, like a multinational successful super corporation off the ground? Yeah, why not? He started as a blue-collar guy, and then he moved up. <laughs> I, w- I would buy Bruce Willis as, like, uh, you know, I- I'd buy him as, like, Metallo or, like, a regular, like, no, a, like no. I-, I don't know about, Everyone's like, I don't know if he's an American. Yeah, I, I think we need, need a more. People to believe in Bruce Willis. People need to believe in Lex Luthor. <laughs> I think we need They'll a more cerebral. I think we need a bit more of a cerebral actor for, for Lex. Oh. But um, I, mean, I do like the look of Bruce Willis as Lex Luthor, but um, damn, that would have to be a carefully you want, you want, you directed. Want Cumberbatch to play every I don't want Matt, Eddie, Matt, that is not true. I do, <laughs> I, Eddie slash Matt, I do not want Benedict Cumberbatch to. Please stop it. Stop it. All right, all right. Let me pick up on this one. You want a Hudson Hawk? Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> yeah, Hudson Hawk Hudson is Lex Luthor. Hey, what's up? You're on with Geekscape. Hey, it's George. What's up, guys? Hey, George. What's up, man? Sorry you couldn't talk to Ian. Ian had the flu or else he'd be right here in the studio. Oh. And I know that Ian would have totally just crapped on that whole Bruce Willis conversation. What's up, buddy? What, do you, <laughs> no, what are your it's, thoughts? It's, it's all good. Um, I, my, my big problem, and I, I mean, I've been seeing people totally agreeing and totally disagreeing. It's been split, and this movie has started a conversation, which is great just in general. Um, but my problem with the film was I thought it had really, really grand ideas for uh, Superman lore and backstory and all this uh, type of stuff, but I felt like the the dialogue and uh, everything that was going on with actual Superman as opposed to Clark Kent uh, didn't, didn't work. I, I felt like a lot of the dialogue for me felt, felt flat and was kind of like very stale. So this the script didn't really do anything for me, but I respected the the lore it was trying to create on Krypton yeah. and, and I think what have you. I agree um, with you. But, I, I think as a broad strokes that, movie. I didn't really get anything. No, I, I agree with you. I think as a broad strokes movie, it really succeeded. Uh, the character development and some of the dialogue is what I think the the the, big, the biggest criticism of the movie could actually be. That and. It's just not your type of movie in some people. Some people, it's just not their type of movie. Some people are like, oh, I just got bored by the, by the incessant action. It wasn't Transformers. When you think of tra- like the Transformers movies, those right. movies are incessant, mind-numbing action to the point where there's no characterization. This movie, you, you know, it does go in with the idea that you already do know Superman and you know the Superman story. So there is that knowledge. But that being said, 
even if you didn't know the Superman story, those first 30 minutes do a really good job of setting it up. And the flashbacks throughout do a good job of setting it back. But, yeah, the character yeah. development, yeah, the, the character development definitely fell short. Ian definitely pointed out that the kiss was undeserved because they hardly knew each other. Uh, and, and Superman wasn't drunken in a party. Uh, so he's not just going to hook up with anybody, and he's got his code. Um, yeah, I mean, I, again, the movie does feel with quick moments like that. Um, you know, it seemed like there were some quick solutions. It uh, it does feel like there's a three-hour version of this movie, and it was sliced and diced down to two hours. Um, Ian Kerner did just text me and say that the uh, Bruce Willis uh, casting is a stupid idea and that this is a better movie than uh, Transformers. So even though Ian's not here in the studio, he's listening and texting me. And you know what? It's... It's it's digital radio, so that, that's one way you can go. You could do the text interaction with Geekscape. You could do the call in. Um, yeah, you can do everything. Um, but yeah, I agree with you, George. I think that the broad strokes were awesome, and then um, the uh, I think the broad strokes were awesome, and the uh, the, uh, the 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 little kind of character ish stuff that that wasn't the strength of this movie. And I think that when people say, "Oh, this is a really great setup for the." Uh, for for the JLA movie or the super you know Superman two movie or even that talk that after Superman two will introduce the Wonder Woman movie, um, I think that's what they're you know they're talking about. They're happy with it on a broad strokes level, but in the little idiosyncratic, satisfying characterization levels, yeah, I can see where it misses a, a couple of spots. You know. Yeah, and uh, just the last thing I will say, I will say that the you know stuff with Jonathan Kent I thought was amazing. Um, with with Kevin Costner, and uh, I thought he played a better Clark Kent when he wasn't not in in the office, but when he wasn't Superman. Like his mm-hmm. interactions with uh, again Kevin Costner, Jonathan Kent, the kind of Smallville uh, stuff. Yeah, the Smallville stuff was really and, good. I kind of yeah, like uh, all, all great. I kind of like the uh, the Dukes of Hazard actor from Smallville. Um, what's his name? The the the, the, the Smallville was. A yeah, the, the Jonathan Kent. What's what's the name of the actor, Kenny? The, who, oh crap! Who yeah, is, yeah. yeah, it's on the tip of my tongue. I saw all of them. Ian's totally gonna text me right now and, and berate me. But uh, no, the actor who played uh, uh, Jonathan Kent in Smallville is still kind of my favorite. Um, Jonathan Kent, and I thought Kevin Costner did a good job. But you know what? Um, a family that forgets a dog in a disaster is a family that that deserves to have some losses, is what I think. If you're uh, if you're so callous. That in the face of a giant natural disaster, you will not think of your pets. You yeah, know what? No. <laughs> you're you're going to lose a family member. So when you see a, a tornado coming and uh, you've got a dog in the car, grab the dog as you leave the car. Because going back for the dog is only going to be a bad plan getting worse. <laughs> Ian, Ian is texting me right now. And uh, there we go. John Schneider. Thank you, Ian. Thank you. Uh, you know, I, I know I've got a computer here with the IMDb, but... Um, you know, with the ta- talking to George and then texting, and I can't do the multimedia geekscape. We've hit another level. We are brainiac, I think. You know, we've got we've got an auto. We've even got an automated, uh, you know, guest right here, or, you know, uh, engineer with Kenny. Like, you know, he's half man, half machine. Like, yeah. you know, you could be our Metallo. You could be uh, you could be brainiac. If if I'm so callous, that's a really <laughs> fucked up joke. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Wow, wow. Half man, half machine. I got him not on camera because I'm all, on tears right All now. studio engineer. Wow. <laughs> and I guess I just turned into a bullying supervillain. Um, George, thanks for calling, buddy. 
Yeah, man. Have a good one. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of. Sorry about that, Kenny. Uh, yeah, right. Like I care. <laughs> a, a lot of controversy about the movie. A lot of controversy movie uh, about the movie, and I see people just hating on it. And I'm like, you really? You hate on this movie? Five, you know, five six weeks shy of Iron Man three, and you're gonna hate on this movie for being dumb? Um, come on. Let's uh, l- let's be real. Um, you know, they didn't dumb down. The characters too much there was some very easy stuff in the movie that i didn't agree with like immediately clark knows that the two engines colliding will cause a, a you know a singularity that could suck the kryptonians into a black hole yeah that quick solution with zero research or fact about how that works you, you just got to think there's a deleted scene because jor-el did tell you know uh lois lane i will show i will show you how to defeat them but you don't see too much of that information proposed before that hey let's just go and do it moment uh the other uh thing that i thought was uh there was another moment that i thought was a bit of a quick fix uh i thought this was silly where the uh the the ranking general in the in the plane turns to the scientist the scientist uh he's not he's barely a military scientist the scientist and uh lois lane a, a reporter and says we're all in your hands now with delivering the bomb that is going to send the Kryptonians back. They, so so uh, the soldiers who were just in the back of that jumbo jet were just there for, like, protection. But the actual mission to save Metropolis and the Earth rests in the hands of an untrained scientist and a reporter. Let's take one last call before um, we log off here, okay? Um, you are on the line with Geekscape. What's up, buddy? Hey, it's Nick. Hey, what's up, Nick? How you doing? Oh, great. Nick, Nick, I don't know if we ha- – Nick, listen, it's 6.56 and you waited a call until now. I know you hated the movie, and there's four minutes till 7 o'clock. <laughs> Nick Gregorio is calling. It's six. It, we have three minutes left in the show. We do not have time. Why didn't you call at the half-hour mark? What's up, buddy? Because I, I tried to. He was on the line the whole time. Um, Kenny, Kenny or Hank Henshaw? Yeah. Uh, issues, issues with the movie that I – I haven't heard touched upon. Okay. I did not like the cinematography. I did not like the color temperature. The movie was super desaturated. Wait, hold um, on. I'm snoring. The blocking for most of the scenes was so stiff and boring. I mean, there was a lot of camera shake, and there was a lot of, like, crazy action sequences. But the the scenes between real actors were as boring as they come. Yeah, like, I mean. White sitting at a desk, Lois Lane. And I hate the fact that Lois Lane had to tell him she was a Pulitzer Prize winning writer like oh. to stress how much of a reporter she was the exposition stuff a lot of exposition yeah um superman has about what 30 lines of dialogue i might have counted <laughs> track of it. um also i there was no hope the movie was hopeless you know it was like hope like buried under layer and layer of horrible tragedy and sorrow and I wanted to, like, I went into that theater, me being a very cynical guy, I went in there, I wanted to leave, like, in my fist being like, yes. Like, Superman makes me happy. And there was, I mean, there was a glimmer of that when he, fought, like, fought the world machine or whatever and, like, smashed it, but it just wasn't, I don't know, it just felt very bleak. But, but, but Nick. It worries me about the future of the DC movie universe. But Nick, I, 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 I kind of 
the, the I did think that the cinematography, you're right, was a bit inconsistent. Like you had the uh, you had like the pretty picture cinematography, and then you had just like this looks like a comic book movie cinematography, and there was a bit of a clash between them. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. like there was, like it couldn't yeah. it couldn't decide if it wanted to go all in on the Terrence Malick stuff or if it wanted yeah. to just be a, a Marvel movie, but. I did like watching some of it. Um, I agree with you that uh, there were a lot of scenes of just uh, Clark and Lois standing there. And I'm like, well, why do they have parking brakes? And why are they in the middle of the desert? Like, why aren't they among yeah. the other soldiers? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, 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 why are they having private time? You know what I mean? Like, that happened once or twice in the movie where it's like Clark and, and Lois have to, you know, have to have their private time off to the side of this group of people who are like, uh, hey, what's going on over there? Have you guys made decisions about whether or not you're going to turn yourself into Zod? Or if you I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of it. Like, I've met Kansas farmers. They weren't Kansas Farmers. Yeah, but th- but that's going to take, you out, mo- but, I mean, that's but Nick, take you out of a movie. But but Nick, how is that going to take you out of a movie? Like Superman's in tow and this guy's in tow. But Nick, just, like, using the wrong vernacular. Nick, Nick, how are you going to let that take you out of a movie where superpowered beings are punching themselves each other through buildings for the first time we've really seen in a movie? You know, this is this is actually what superheroes would look like fighting each other. And that was and and that's what was really cool, especially the Smallville scene. Spoiler alert: where she's like. Like jetting back and forth down the street. I mean, that was really, you know, I, I, any fanboy is going to like, you, you got to mark out for that one. But I don't know. There was just, there were so many moments that I was just like, come on, man. No, I, I agree. I mean, entirely too long. Um, I'm just worried. I don't know, like, don't be worried. After The Dark Knight Rises and now Superman, I'm like, what is the new DC movie universe? I, like, is it going to be completely joyless? Is everyone going to be like really dark, grim, and desaturated i don't know well i, I i'll do with that i'm okay nick I, th- I think that they think they did a good job of di- differentiating themselves stylistically from the marvel movies which they really needed to do because because okay. iron man i mean they were joking that green lantern was warner brothers iron man they were trying you know and it even looked like a this is what a comic book movie looks like so i do applaud them for trying to visually do something different even if it is taking a lot of uh, of, of of a lot of the nolan kind of you know, visual dialogue of a dark, darker kind of grittier world, and putting it on Superman, who is sort of hopeful and colorful, uh, but they had to differentiate themselves as a different kind of media. You know, uh, a cinematic world than the than the Marvel cinematic world. Um, the blocking, sure, but um, you know what? Some of that stuff was so huge, and as an action movie, it was awesome. And they didn't totally fuck up the the the, the origin story. And you know what? It's a Superman movie. It's going to be a lot of fists flying. And I think they delivered. Um, I really enjoyed it. I saw it again and enjoyed it even more. Is it smart as hell? No, it's not. It's uh, but it, but is it fun to hang out with? Yes. So it's kind of like Geekscape. It's not the smartest, <laughs> but it's fun to hang out with. And that's my segue to wrapping up the show. Nick, thank you so much for calling in, buddy. Um, really, we are here every week. Uh, I, I love it when Kenny's uh, engineering because he's a fellow geek and. I know Ian Kerner was on the line, but we'll get more out of you next week. Um, we're Geekscape. We're here on the Toad Hub Network, 6 to 7 p.m. every Thursday, Pacific Standard Time. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Search for Geekscape. Subscribe. Uh, definitely subscribe on the iTunes link. Um, I would love for you guys to subscribe on iTunes because that's where every single one of these episodes and more end up. And uh, I'm at Jonathan Leonard on Twitter. And uh, for Kenny Craig, we'll see you guys next week on Geekscape.
You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching.